Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Think about it. 22 seconds left. 22 seconds on December 23rd, 1972. I got the date correct and all that stuff, but you got 22 seconds left. Terry Bradshaw, he calls in the huddle, full right split, 66 halfback option. Now, I know that play. We ran that play all through the 80s. But in 1972, that was a big one right there. And Bradshaw rolls to his right after rolling to his left or whatever and goes back and forth, and he throws the ball down the field. And it caroms off of Jack Tatum because it couldn't have been off of Frenchie, not Frenchman. All right, couldn't have been off of him. But it caroms off, and it goes seven and a half yards back. Now, as Terry said, it was a frozen rope, and it elkabonged backwards. And who comes along? Oh, Franco himself, the man, the myth, the legend. Franco Harris scoops that ball up off his shoe tops, and I know it's off his shoe tops because Gadzooks, if you go to the Pittsburgh airport, you see the statue there, and he's got the ball before it touches the ground. All right, so that's got to be what the, the, the final de facto thing, right? Franco does it. So, Max, I, I, I say to you, it was the most exciting play in NFL history and certainly the turning point of the Steelers franchise, and we celebrate that as Franco's number 32 is going to join Ernie Stotner and Joe Green, mean Joe Green, that is, and hanging the number up and it being retired forever. What say you, my friend? This is a momentous occasion, Wolf. Um when you think about football history, when you think about some of the greatest plays to have ever been accomplished by man on the football field, this is one of those moments. This is when you see NFL films, right? And, and <laughs> yeah. you, the, the rights of autumn, you know, the legendary booming voice of Pete Sable. Um, Wait a minute, go all the moments. way back to John Facenda. You got you forgot okay. the Facenda. Okay. Once again, uh I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not a Linda to the Facenda. Uh no. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> nice comeback. But, 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 but thank you for that. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna di- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Steve Sable, I apologize. Not Pete Sable. Steve Sable. <laughs> I thought Pete was uh, his brother. Like, you know, Pete Einstein yeah. was Albert, Albert Einstein's yeah. brother. So. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> sure there's a Pete Sable somewhere in the family. But, uh, but Steve Sable, I apologize. And, uh, you know, I, I just, it, it, it gives you all of the feelings of, this is why I love this game, right, moments, and this is one of those moments. The immaculate reception is those keyed phrases, you know, and just moments that just stand still, and they create the history that is American football. And this is such a tremendous honor on, you know, the 50th anniversary year that a man who was a part of those four Super Bowl teams, had had his own Italian army. Yes. You know, and... and Which included a, Sinatra a, now. Remember, Sinatra was yeah. included in that. Yes, yes. I mean, anytime you get Mickey Blue Eyes to uh, to be a part of that, I mean, that's, that's something special. Um, and, you know, he comes from Penn State, right? I mean, he, he, he it, it's a local legend type of deal where it's all encompassing when you think of his his tremendous football career and i i i think i think it's a well deserved honor and not only for the player that was Franco Harris and the immaculate reception reception that was one of the top plays of all time in the NFL he also was a community servant mm-hmm. he was a local businessman you know my first interactions with Franco you know, I just remember I literally was walking down the street to a festival at the point. This is back in 2004. Wow. I'm at a festival. I'm at a festival at the point in front of the hotel there. And I'm in line. I, I don't even remember what I, I think I was. At, I think I was at actually at like a um, like a Mediterranean food truck type of deal. <laughs> And we I remember looking word food into everything, don't we? I don't. Well, yeah. I mean, well, listen. Life is told through food. I mean, that's just that's just the way our life path is written. Um, but no. But I was in this line, and I was I was I rem- I'll never forget. I was getting I was getting some dolmas, um, and I turned around. And I was like, Oh my God, that's Franco Harris, and he, he was. As, and I went and introduced him. He said, "Oh, you're one of our, you're one of the new draft picks, right?" I was like, "Yes, sir, I am." <laughs> and uh, and he just he introduced himself. I mean, was such a nice guy. We sat, we talked for a few minutes, and it was just it was just awesome because you know, for me, even though I I am a new quote unquote professional athlete at that time, like I'm not thinking the legends are going to speak to me. You know, <laughs> we know who Franco Harris is. Right. I mean, this man's a Hall of Famer. I, you know, I, I I don't think he's he's going to talk to me, but he does. And then that just that just gave me a different perspective about how Pittsburgh is different than a lot of other places, and how he is just this tremendous giving human being. And then fast forward a couple years later, he does it comes to me with an offer with his baker, like, hey Max, um, I want to feature community champions on uh, on a line of. Uh, donuts i'm doing super for, donuts uh, for, for, yep yeah for, for for kids in school he's like would would you do me the honor of, of being on here and proceeds go to your foundation and <clears throat> i was floored i was like absolutely and then from there you know it, it just it's just the giving nature 
And every time I see him, it's always such a grand moment. We, you know, it's like two friends that, that have missed each other. And I'm sure you have similar stories. But I had to share that just as a young guy who wasn't even born when this play happened, right? Right. But knowing the significance and the impact it had on the sport that I love and being a historian of this game and wanting to know more about the history of this game is tremendous. In fact, I actually have two photos of the Immaculate Reception in my house. I have one in my office. It's a George O'Keefe one that he did a painting of it, mm. um, of Franco going down and like kind of he, he kind of shadowed it to where it looked like heaven was was shining down on, on Franco. And then the other one was actually the physical like still shot photo that Franco and uh, Frenchie Fuqua um, signed. It was, you know, it had had of course Frenchie's phrase, "I'll never tell." Yes. So. <laughs> So so I have both of so that's how significant it is to me that I have both of those pieces, um, you know, kind of signifying those two moments, you know, that that one moment in two different ways, in two different mediums. That's how important it is. So it's just it's one of those things that's that's cool to look back on, and that's a part of NFL history. So I'm proud to be I'm proud I'm proud to have those pieces. I'm proud to know the man, and what a well deserved honor for him. Think about this, Max. You're talking about a play that was voted by the fans the greatest play in NFL history. Now, you go back to the very beginning of the league and everything else and all the great plays and all the great moments that have occurred, but yet this one defining moment, this moment when the lovable losers that the Pittsburgh Steelers basically were before 1972, I think they had posted somewhere around seven, only seven winning seasons uh, in the previous years. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, as as the chief said, we didn't we didn't win much before Franco got here, and we didn't lose much after Franco got here. You know, I mean, the guy was pivotal in the turning point of this organization, and his great humanitarian side equals his great and wonderful and illustrious, uh, you know, professional football side. I and you talk about the super donuts. I'll tell you, Tunch and I back years ago, we had an office down in his office building when we were doing some stuff together years and years ago, right? So his his office was on the floor below us. So I used to sneak down and go over to his. He had a freezer there full of super donuts and other products, right? So I'd be hitting yeah. up them super donuts almost daily. <laughs> You know, oh my little, god. You gotta yeah. have a little knickknack, you know, a little something that you know, you got your coffee and stuff. So I go down and have a couple of donuts and finally Pringle's like, Hey dude, you're you're killing me. <laughs> you're just killing me. Hey, you know, could you leave a tip? <laughs> exactly. Hey, 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 you know over here, he he's also so cool and gracious with probably say, Hey, Wolfman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, how about a little something something, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Come on, Wolfie. <laughs> I love the man. The man is so gracious. I laugh about it, Max. It's it's like um, yesterday. I was I was I was mindful when he passed. I think it was the ten thousand yard mark. And we forgive me if I've told you before, but even if I have, so what? It's a story, and we just kind of roll with it. But you think about it. We ran a flow thirty six. Now that's me pulling from the left guard, and it's basically it's a bounce out around the right tackle to the outside, picking up the first corner force. Right. So you're. Out there and you're, you're cruising. Franco's right on my hip and he's pushing me. You know, we go all the way to the sidelines and we crash out of bounds. Now he goes over this marker, whatever marker it was, ten or twelve thousand or eleven thousand. I can't remember the yardage. But they stop the game and they take the ball and they give it to Franco 
as a you know as a memorial th- memorabilia thing, and he takes it to the sidelines to Parisi, Tony Parisi, the equipment guy, right? So I'm yeah. in the huddle and I'm like bent over sucking wind, you know, because I just sprinted to the outside on a sweep, and you know us big heavy hoofers, we got it takes a little bit to re- you know reload. So he comes back in the huddle after all this, and he looks at me, and I'm bent over, going, you know, how you got that that little squeeze Yo, when you're the, sucking the, the wind, the wheeze, the wheeze. The wheeze. <laughs> the wheeze that's it so i'm in there and he goes he goes you fat pig i ran as far as you did and he said i'm not sucking wind and i looked at him and go that's because i'm a fat pig <laughs> it was hilarious but it was that moment that was so great because he went off and he was acknowledged and, and it was such a great moment and to be able to have done that together with him as part you know that happening on the play and everything was just such a, a great memory that i have always will have in my mind about the great Franco Harris. No, a- absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, and I'm sure that we, we have fans out there that, that, that can talk also about his great, but I mean, he's truly a remarkable human being, um, you know, a citizen of the world and just a tremendous person. And, you know, and like, like you and I, we're blessed to call him friend. Yes. Um, yes. Because he is just, such a remarkable man. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've I've been around this country and people ask, "Hey, do you know do you know Franco?" <laughs> and, and, you know, <laughs> he's such an amazing type. This one time, you know, I was in such and such and Franco came and said hello. He was so nice and he talked to us. I mean, he just has that personable, just exuberant outgoing, you know, personality about him. He welcomes everybody. Yes. And I mean, I mean, he's just, I mean, you know, everybody kids is like, he's like a politician, but the endearing way of a politician, as far as the personability, the approachability, the, the ability to have a, hold a conversation with a person that he knows nothing about and find commonality within that person and leave that conversation them and, and, and him feeling better about it. I mean, it's, he's just tremendous. I can't say enough good things about Franco um, because he's such a great man and, blessed blessed that you know he gets to he gets to receive this honor and uh blessed that we'll both be in attendance when they when, when they retired in the stadium was it december 24th against the raiders it's 50 yeah, years to the, the day plus one day at acrosure stadium it's a christmas eve and you're yes. gonna they have a ceremony at like three something or other to the minute at the marker which is out in the parking lot Outside of Acrisure Stadium, they they got a marker where the very spot they GPSed it where Franco caught the ball. You know, I mean, it's remarkable. It's sitting out there. You just got this over by Stage AE. There's a you know uh, uh, this this marker that says right here it happened. You're like, wow, this is just crazy. Because of course yeah. I played at Three Rivers and I I remember Three Rivers very very well. And it, you're just trying to put it together with the dimensions of Acrisure and this and that. And it's it's just very crazy. But the the fact is, you know. I remember Chuck Knoll always preaching to us, good things happen to those who hustle. And I remember, uh, you know, that kind of ringing in my head. And I asked Franco, I saw him yesterday, right, down on the south side there. I says to Franco, I says, do you remember? He goes, yeah. He says one of the things that he remembered was Joe Paterno, it was another thing too, always said run to the ball, you know, and Chuck said the same thing. And that's what caused him because he was on a hug-up. Phil Villapiano was uh, – he wasn't on a hug-up. Villapiano was on a hug-up with Franco. Franco steps up to block, right? Well, Franco's not exactly the, the most uh, industrious blocker 
to ever have donned a Steelers uniform. It's not like, it's not like he was – that was something that he really wanted to excel at. Uh, but the fact oh, is – Oh, come on. Uh, you know, that's <laughs> it's the truth. You know, we used to call him Stingby. <laughs> Stingby, <Yeah>. Jesus. <laughs> so, so Franco released, and he went out to the flat, and then, you know, think. and I asked him this. I go, think about this. Franco, what would have happened? None, I, well, none of this would have happened if you you were loafing. You know, I mean, just think if you were loafing, you didn't run to the ball. You know, you didn't hustle to the ball, and yet he did, and that's what created the opportunity to have the greatest singular greatest play in the history of the NFL and the St- Pittsburgh Steelers franchise. Hustle, hustle, hustle gets rewarded. Yes, we we talk about it all the time. I feel like we need to play hustling by Rick Ross. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, but that's, that's what it's all about. It's about the right time and the right moment and being ready for that opportunity. And he was. He seized the opportunity. He was there for it. He received it. And the rest is NFL history. And like you said, voted by the fans the greatest play in NFL history. That, that's, that's just remarkable. Think about this too, my friend. Only the third number in the history of this awesome franchise to be retired i mean think about it. you got ernie stautner number 70 75 mean joe green now you got 32 franco harris by by contrast you've got the new york yankees have retired 22 numbers all right so it says something about this franchise that well first of all nobody has worn the numbers since franco I left the Steelers. Uh, I was about you know. to say, yeah, th- there are numbers that for a long time that were just <laughs> yeah. off limits, verboten. as I found they out. They were verboten, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As, 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 as I learned out, I learned about the forbidden numbers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> really? And, and think about it. I mean, only three. So for such a great franchise to only have three, it says a lot about their desire to maximize those players that are – Virtually, they they are qualified beyond qualification. Oh. You know what I, I mean? mean? Think about the Hall of Famers oh. that that have that that have passed through this organization, and the fact that you that you literally have a top three, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, of all of those Hall of Famers, we're talking about the stalwarts of the world, the Bradshaws of the world, the Swans of the world, and then even more contemporaries, the Alan Fanicas. Right, the Jerome Bettises, the Troy Palomalus. I mean, there's just so many tremendous men. Donnie Shells of this world, the Jack Lamb. I mean, we could go on. The fact that we could go on and on about yes. these names that have donned here, and and you have these three, and it's a special moment because it's not like a lot of other organizations where they retire numbers left and right. No, you have to earn your stripes. And think about this: fifty years from that play. Franco Harris's number is getting retired. Mean Joe Green, the career that he had, you know, he was drafted, what, 1970, and he just got his number retired. I mean, it's it's tremendous to think of the great men that have passed through here and the unbelievable honor it is not only to end up in the Hall of Honor, but when you get that jersey retired, that's, that's a, a whole other level. Oh, it really is. You know, I mean, it's fun being around these guys. You know, it's like I always say, I, I know greatness because I was in the huddle with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I yeah. wasn't great. I was never great. But, you know, that was surrounded by it, both uh, in the locker room and in the huddle. And it's amazing when you see these guys together and they have that opportunity to 
be together and kind of relive these moments. And I believe that there's going to be some guys brought back. I hope some significant others uh, that will come back when the Steelers uh, had this celebration of the Immaculate Reception. Uh, I, I hope that uh, you get a number of people that come out uh, for it. Uh, you know, just just to reload. I mean, I hope Terry can come in. I hope that, uh, you know, that you got the John Kolb here in town and a bunch of the other guys that, uh, that, that can celebrate this moment because it was such an incredible moment in the history of the Steelers franchise. And think about it. The Chief didn't even see the play. I mean, this is a, a, a play. This is a, a time and space that is so... Uh, iconic. I mean, I I think I've there's two two things. I think I, the most people I've I, I've talked to have been seems like everybody's been to Woodstock and everybody saw the Immaculate Reception, which both are not true, right? I mean, yeah. there's just far too many people who say they have, they were at Woodstock and far too many people say, oh, I was at Three Rivers when uh, I don't know, I don't know about that. But the fact is, it is such a huge part of a even even. You know NFL history, but American history. People talk about where they were and what they where they saw it if they saw it on a game. Which you know even then there was there was a, a bubble uh, in the NFL back then because even during sold out games they blacked out a lot of the TV, so it was difficult to find. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely was, and you know it's one that even the cameras couldn't catch up to it <laughs> fully, right? You know, this is the moment where we don't have the all 22. <laughs> it's in a very different era where you actually had cans of film and you had, what, 16 millimeters? Am I correct in the uh, I think that was the right. Realage? I, I hope yeah, the, so. The realage. The realage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, even, I mean, and it's funny. You talk about, uh, you know, Mac, right? Bob McCartney right. for the Steelers. The, the, the infamous story that Mac, you know, well, you know, he had, he had ran out of, he ran out of real film. Um, <laughs> and he, he brought, he brought four cans up, four cans went back down. He, and from that day forward, they always had six after that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> indeed, my uh, friend. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's roll on my friend. We got to go to break. So I'm going to ask you right now, what does the immaculate reception and free solo have in common? Oh, stick around. We are SNR. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. So what does the Immaculate Reception and Free Solo have in common? I mean, you think about it. They don't have time-wise because one took almost four hours to complete. One took only 17 seconds to complete. There's a difference in elevation. You know, um, El Capitan yeah, is about 3,000 feet up or so. And so uh, we brought in an expert, Max, because I wanted to get this out here, right? So what does the Immaculate Reception of Free Solo have in common? This I'd say they are one-offs that leaves the audience gasping. Because <laughs> if you saw the aftermath of the Immaculate Reception, Franco was mobbed, and there was an, just mobbing of the, the stadium for 15 minutes after uh, when the referees were trying to decide, Art McNally and Fred Swearingen, and then when they called it, yes, it was a touchdown, it was chaos. Well, I, I got to tell you, if you watch Free Solo and Alex Honnold as he ascended, 
climbing without ropes, El Capitan, and over the course of four hours, I, I'm telling you what, I almost fainted three times watching that thing. And we brought in Brian, the big Lamartina, who's a mountaineering expert. Yeah. Max, expert. <laughs> hey, well, put it this way. My expertise is climbing up on a ladder and cleaning out the gutters, okay? That's about as high as my mountaineering experience goes, okay? <laughs> so we brought in the big Lamartina. Brian, was that an incredible performance by Alex Arnold? Yeah, absolutely, man. I'll tell you right now. And, and describe I, what he did. I, I'll go out on a limb right now and say that's one of the single greatest athletic feats that have ever been performed on this planet by any athlete any sport anywhere water which would be land. comparable to the immaculate reception because yeah, they are one you it, can't you can't mimic it, those exactly it is it is one of those moments that like okay so most people don't casually follow climbing or or are interested in the minutia of the daily news with it so you've got levels of climbing that go on and people are always kind of pushing the limits you know at some point no one climbed el capitan and then a guy named warren harding took 45 days and just started nailing nails into the side of the rock and built himself a ladder up to the top becoming the first man to climb it 45 days The man's on the side of this oh. rock, just hanging out, just living vertically. And eventually he gets up and he pushes that to the point, well, hey, look at that big thing up there. That's now climbable. You can now do that. So a few guy, other guys come in and a guy named Royal Robbins comes in and looks at El Cap and goes, you know what? I can do what Warren Harding did, but I can do it in a more elegant way. I can find better lines up this rock. I can find more traditional natural styles of doing it by placing less nails in the rock and and doing it by fair means which is just you against the mountain type stuff so the game keeps elevating and elevating and elevating and the way it went it went to speed climbing people were trying to get up this thing faster and faster and honald was one of the guys who started to push this under two hours to where it's basically two people rolling up with a rope between them but moving so fast that they're barely locking this rope into the rock and and pushing it sub two hours. And you're like, well, there it is. That's that's as far as you can go. Like, and then this nut job. Alex Honnold looks at this rock. Nut job, put uh, absolutely uh, an exclamation point. Right? He looks up and he goes, you know what? I can climb this thing without ropes. And and even the greatest climbers in the world are looking at him like, you're a nut. Like, why would you even attempt that? And so he kind of kept it in the back of his mind, had it there, and just was working the goal, started working smaller projects. And and no one thought the sport would evolve to this level. But then one one day, him and a few close friends go out with a camera, and they knew they were going to do it, and they wow. kind of did it in secret. And he goes up this rock face. And the the place that he climbed, it's a place called Free Rider. Like, this is, a, this is not a hard climb. This is a climb I've been on, at least the beginning of it. So I've climbed the nose on El Yeah, Capitan. you should see my ladder. When I, <laughs> boy, is that a hard climb. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could get to maybe about the first bolt with a ladder on this. So at that point, you've climbed El Cap, That's so you it. can go We're back done. down, you know? We're done. Yeah, so, so he looks at this thing, and he just starts, like, he, he works it out and he, he builds it and, and he dials it in and, and eventually climbs this thing. And you're like, first of all, why? Yeah. Second of all, yeah. how? And, and these are all very answerable questions, which is kind of a weird thing to think. Max, I know you climbed Camelback down in, uh, in Phoenix. That doesn't compare, <laughs> does it, Max? Uh, no. No, not, not even the least. 
There's something called trails <laughs> and feet. Yes, there are moments where you might get on your hands and knees to cross over some things, but you are not free soling the sheer face of a rock <laughs> that is meant to be admired and looked at from afar, not to say, you know what? I could climb that. What? Oh, oh and by the way, all I need is a bag of chalk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And some good hey, grip on my shoes. Come on, Max. Don't sell it short. He had shoes, too. Yeah, so I said, I said and shoes. I said, and shoes. Okay. I'm like, I'm like, come on, man. I'm like, you know, and, and it always astounds me because, you know, we have, uh, where I live in Arizona, I mean, we have a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, peaks and a lot of mountains. And so, you know, I look at four peaks out here and, you know, Pinnacle Peak is another one up north. And I, and as I'm doing my trail walking, feeling good about myself and my health, you know, you kind of look up, enjoy the sky. Like, you know what? God is great. I mean, he created all of this. And then you see a human being hanging off the side of the, of, of, of the, of the point and the peak. And I'm just like, there's no desire in my heart. There's no urge strong enough to say, you know what? I want to go up there. Nope, I don't. I don't. <laughs> they made a trail. I'm following the trail. That was meant for man. The other is meant for you know is meant for birds and creatures and individuals who obviously need something else to challenge themselves. I don't need that challenge in my life. I ran into 300 pound human beings for 10 years. I don't. I don't desire that right there. But God bless them because. I can admire what they do, and like we said, we're highlighting these type of achievements, but absolutely not. There's no, there's no desire in my heart, and I am all for him doing it and not me. Him, the Bear grills of the world, all that. You know, hey, <laughs> bravo, <laughs> bravo. Max, I, you know, it's, I'm laughing because I saw this show a couple nights ago, and it was uh, Joey Chin or Johnny Chin. And over uh, the Jimmy edge. Chin. Jimmy Chin. Him too. All right. Yeah, you got him. And over all three the of edge. them. Yeah. It's all this, <laughs> you know, the spectacular sports and stuff like that. So I'm watching that. And I'm just going, you, you can't be serious. Now, I was talking with Brian yesterday, and one thing I hadn't even considered, he said, you got to consider the critters that, that may, you know, birds swoop on you. Yeah. You got bugs and stuff. You're up on a mountain 3,000 feet up above the, the valley floor. It's a straight drop down. And then you got some stupid crow messing with you. I'm telling you what, that's that's <laughs> enough to drive you buggy. That's his world, Wolf. You're messing with his world. You Don't have... mess with that. He has wings. He's supposed to be up there. We don't. Look, and I, nor should we be. <laughs> I'm telling you, Max. Like they actually, you you end up with so so when you're climbing, you're looking at this face, and this is basically a reflector of heat. So you're hot, you're sweating, you've got gnats up a lot of the route, and so these gnats are kind of flying around you and, you, and everybody knows how annoying they are on the ground. Well, when you're on the side of the rock, these things are hitting you, and again, you're sweaty, so they kind of stick to you, and it's. Then you've got these swoop birds that the people oh. just call them swoops. What they do is they'll come in and dive bomb you if you get close enough to your to like a nest or something like Whoa. that that's sitting on the rock. So you got to contend with these. Now, for a guy like me, I'm climbing on a rope. So if a bird knocks me off, the rope's going to catch me. No problem. Worst case scenario, I'm hanging a thousand feet in the air on the end of a rope. Okay, that's enough. I I can die once that again, one. once again, this does not sound appealing, Brian. Nothing you've said to this point has said, you know what? Oh, 
I need to go do this. Not at all. So please proceed, though. (laughs) So if you're off the rope, these birds become a real deal. They're they're a serious problem at this point. But look, I don't want to sugarcoat this. I'll tell you this right now. Every time I'm in the middle of a climb, especially a big one, it is the worst possible experience in my mind. I hate every minute of it. It is an absolute what, what a lot of us call suffer fest. And you go through this, and and I'm scared of heights. <laughs> oh, oh, stop, stop, hold up, hold up, hold up. Time out, time out, time out, Brian. Brian. I'll think about it hey, next. I'll think about the next just, time I'm cleaning my gutters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Brian, did you just say you're scared of heights and yes, you're a climber? I yes, I am. Oh, I get gosh. queasy in my stomach if I watch videos. It was hard to watch did you, free solo. Did you climb Capitan? Yes, I did. Oh, my heavens. Yes, and yeah, I slept and on the side right. of it in a portal oh. ledge. And, and this is the thing. The whole time I am absolutely just scared to the bone. I, it's frightening. And you get in this mindset where you're kind of on edge. It, I have nothing in my in my experience to equate it to, but you're hyper aware. You're hyper, not anxious, but you're just ready. It might be just like you guys before game you walk day. out game day, game, right? Yeah. Yep. Like it's yeah. like that, but extended over like four days because it takes you about four days to climb this thing. And and you're just kind of in this thing, and it's not comfortable. It's not good. But, man, I'll tell you, the minute you're on horizontal ground and you're done with the work, there's this weird feeling where you want to go right back up the damn thing. You just want to. And I'm telling you, that's the, the moment after the fact when you can look back at the struggle. And, and I know I'm sounding kind of cheesy, but you're like, I kind of I beat that mountain. And I didn't beat it. I, I took the weaknesses that it gave me. And and I figured out a way through it to to achieve my goal. And and that's what the kind of thrilling, cool experience. But I'm telling you guys, and, and I'm not exaggerating, I'm scared, like, during a climb like that the whole time. Like, when you're sleeping, you wake up, you always have to be tied in. I mean, it's a, yeah. di- it's a different story on smaller cliffs, like, a, like 50 to 100 feet, like kind of sport climbing cliffs where you're going up and coming back down. But when you're living on the rock, I mean, it's frightening, man. And I'd like to be a hard guy and be like, ah, it doesn't bug me. I'll hang out here. No, I'm, I'm shaking at times. <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's the thing. But you still did it. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that, I think that's. When we talk about the the enduring human spirit, um, the ability to put yourself mentally in a place that even though you're scared, even though that death is seemingly around the corner uh, <laughs> or literally around the edge, and you, and you still accomplish it, you still conquered it. And obviously you conquered it because you're here talking to us today. Yes. Um, but it's just, it's amazing what, when you put your mind to something, you will not be denied what that can do for you. And like you said, it gives you a different sense of self because, like you said, you took weaknesses and you made them strengths in the moment. Those weaknesses gave you the extra abilities, right? The hyper awareness, the hyper just sensitivity to yeah. everything, the hyper focus to even though you're scared of heights. Once again, I'm not going to diminish that. You climbed a sheer face that is thousands of feet up in the sky. Like you said, birds put nests up there because humans aren't supposed to be there. Right? (laughs) And and you defied those odds at the same time. How mental do you have to be, Max? How mental do you have to be to do this? 
And I'm, I'm sitting there. The, here's the thing about it, too. Now, I'm watching Hanno do this. And if anybody wants to see it, you can Google or whatever uh, the free it's solo. Nat and Geo, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Nat Geo. And, and I'm telling you what, your stomach will, will curl up when you see him hanging on the rock face with these. They got drones that are taking pictures mm-hmm. over him. And it's like 3,000 feet down or a couple thousand feet. You see the treetops. And you're thinking to yourself, this guy, he's he. One time he talked about the fact he kind of got his finger stuck in a rock. Yeah. And it, think if you you heard a digit and you're out here, or you cramp up. Mm-hmm. Hey Max, you and I, we've both cramped in a game. We've cramped. Could you imagine cramping on the yeah. side of a mountain three thousand feet up? Get zooks, no. Yeah, well, and 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 it isn't. Wasn't there a point where it was like a, a recurve type of point on the mountain? Where he was literally like spider monkeying it up, uh, almost upside down. Uh, there are some overhangs, yeah. There's they, <laughs> what, like, seriously? Come on, yeah. Like you were talking about, see the treetops. I'm like, okay, I'm a shish kebab. I'm a shish kebab <laughs> see, waiting to happen. Max, here's the beauty about the. <laughs> That's a big shish kebab, baby. It is. It is. It can feed a whole family of birds, fruit birds. <laughs> Max, if I could make you feel better about the overhangs that he's on, some of the technique involved, like, yeah, you're overhung and you're kind of like, so So what happens? They call it exposure. So when you get to that point, you're kind of like you feel it because you, you are away from the rock because it's overhanging. But the beauty of that is, is that you got cracks in most of those kinds of roofs. No so you can, you can jam your fists in there. And I'm telling you guys, like, you don't want to get stuck like Wolf said, but you can jam your fist in a way where you're using no strength on that overhang to you're just using friction of your fist within that crack. I don't trust so my fist. It may look like you're <laughs> no. superhuman, but you're just using basic physics to hang in there. You're not doing anything crazy, and, but it looks damn cool. Nobody told me there'd be science involved with rock climbing, okay? Well, you got you so, got to worry yeah, about yeah. gravity first and foremost. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, that's the main thing. Hence why God made me the way he did to where my feet are supposed to be on the ground. The only way I get up in the sky in any type of fashion that's my feet are not planted to solid ground is because it's an airplane. Okay. Hey, think or about a helicopter. This, you would, and Brian, let me ask you this because we're going to have to go to break here in a minute. But but what? How does a guy like Max with size 19 shoes, is that, that's a lot of gription on the side of the mountain. That's yeah, good, huh? I think he can actually walk up, just walk straight up. How about that, Max? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, you know, I'm not going to test that theory, guys, but thank you for hypothesizing guys, that for I, me. I'm telling you, both of you guys would be really good at climbing. No. I think you would be. I'd let, and, and an open offer to both of you, if you ever would, like, I'm guide rated. I've taken people on climbs, and I used to do it a lot when I was younger. If you guys ever want to go, I'm willing to take you and i'll keep you safe i won't kill either of you i promise well, well thank you brian for that but I, i've broken way too many digits on my hand to trust my hands gripping anything uh on, that, that requires all my body weight to be out there but thank you though yeah. if you could find me like a like a baby rock like a 20 foot rock I, I, okay. i'll look at it i'll take pictures how about I, I can be your official photographer. You know, I'll fly the drone. How about I'll fly we just, the drone on we it. Just, we just make Wolf climb the thing, and then he can haul you up on a rope. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Wolf, I need oh, you to pull me up. I'm I, but I'm sweater. all dead weight. I'm all dead weight too, Wolf. I'm just gonna lay there, just you know, 
Kind of like baby action, right? When the parent holds a baby that's tired. That would just be me as you reel me up. The I think they would call that, you or me, they call it fat soul. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, exactly. it's like, like Alex Honnold meets Chris Farley meets El Capitan. It would end exactly. badly. It would be fat duo because we're not going solo. <laughs> When we come back, enough soloing. We're going to do this together. We're going to have a duo. We're going to talk about the Steelers' defensive depth chart, what was released, and also some amendments to the previous offensive depth chart that we talked about. This and more on In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on SNR. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Bradshaw running out of the pocket, looking for somebody to throw to, fires it downfield. And there's a collision. It's cut out of the air. The ball is pulled in by Franco Harris. Harris is going for a touchdown for Pittsburgh. Harris is going... Was that unbelievable, Max, or what? I mean, just tremendous to hear. I mean, it makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up just just hearing that and that classic call there. Um, it's yeah. I mean, it, it's it's tremendous. I mean, it that that's NFL history right there. Man, I mean, it's just heard living history. You think about that. That just it it curls the hair on the back of your neck. I mean, to hear that roar. Can we play that one more time? Do that call one more time. Bradshaw running out of the pocket, looking for somebody to throw to. Fires it downfield. And there's a collision. It's cut out of the air. The ball is pulled in by Franco Harris. Harris is going for a touchdown for Pittsburgh. Harris is going. And the mob scene that followed Franco was unbelievable when you watch some of the films, and to know that Fred Swearingen and Art McNally, Art was the uh, head of this, he was the supervisor of officials, and Fred Swearingen was the head ref down on the field. They commiserated on the phone, the dugout phone, because that was a a combined, uh, it was a football, baseball stadium, so there was a dugout phone where the baseball dugout was, and they were talking about, and by the way, John Madden, it was said, he kept that phone. He ripped it off the wall and kept that phone. He was pretty bitter about the whole thing, that's for sure. But, wow, what a moment in time that just absolutely is amazing to me. Yeah, no, I mean, it's I mean, just following the history of that. And you just remember at that time in Pittsburgh, you know, in the 70s, I mean, and you've talked about this, talking to some of the steel workers and, the transition that Pittsburgh was going through, um, you know, as 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 this town with all these different plants and <clears throat> the steel and the iron workers and just the shutting down and, and and for this to kind of be that emerging galvanizing moment that really brought a city together, mm, um, yeah. they could unite amidst the turmoil, the depression, and everything else during Sundays when the Steelers were on and, and I mean, just ruling a decade, <laughs> a decade of dominance and excellence, which led to what we know as the contemporary Pittsburgh Steelers organization 
they laid the found the foundation and 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 the groundwork and created a sense of pride in western pa that extended throughout the world i mean i can't tell you a place that i've traveled and i love traveling wolf yes i know uh, you do around, around around this big blue and green rock and it is it's tremendous the depth and and just the spread i know we say steelers nation because that's an easy thing but honestly it's steelers world steelers universe <laughs> yeah. if, if you want it i'm sure i'm sure there's some astronauts there steeler fans that have been outside of this planet but um it's just amazing to me anytime you say and this is one of those hallmark moments like when you think of okay if if you didn't tell anybody for the last 70 years, hey, will you think of the Pittsburgh Steelers, this clip would give you all you needed and more. Absolutely. All right, now let me ask you something. Well, we're going to switch gears here a little bit because yesterday at the press conference, Mike Tomlin came out and said that the Gedzooks, we got a bit of a problem, a clerical error. He described it as cut and paste. Now, what would you? what is cut and paste? Because my cut and paste yeah. is different than your generation cut and paste. Mine was, uh, you know, the uh, the white glue, the Elmer's glue, you know, and you oh, got a little pair of scissors. Oh, still had Elmer's school glue. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, I mean that's what we see, did. Did you eat? It? See, I were you well, t- no, when you no, eating? I no, tried eating. My, cu- my, 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 no. cu- my cousin Jai did. My cousin oh, really? Jai did it, and I'll never forget. We sit at the same table because we we're, were born the same day. Okay, um, and so we went through school together, and I just remember him. You know, it's that bucket. <clears throat> right of that of that a glue paste. Yeah. Right? Yep. You, yeah, you take you take the tongue depressor slash popsicle stick, however yep. you want to call it, and you scoop it in there and then you smear it across, right? That that's what young kids had to do back then. We weren't right. good enough. They didn't really have the the squeeze bottle glue no. was not Wouldn't available to us. No. And so I just remember my cousin just taking it and just licking it. I was like, Ew, you're disgusting. <laughs> I remember saying that to and he just looked at me with a smile and kept licking it like like he had just gotten, you know, a, a, a fresh fudge pop from from the, from the ice cream man. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just awkward how, how, how that happened. It's an awkward moment, but yeah. It is an awkward moment because, you know, you're looking another person in the eyes as you do this. It's just the windows of the soul. It's just a weird thing. Um, I love my cousin Jai, though. Yeah. But, <laughs> but copy and paste uh, in today's modern technology world is uh, all all computer generated? Is all user clicked? Like you got to highlight the name or the words, and then you go and depending on your device, whether you're a, a Microsoft person or an Apple person, there's a couple of different commands. You know, Control Alt, you know, yeah. and then what you want to do, and then of course on I, I I'm an Apple guy, so it's you know Command C, C is 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 the copy button, right? Yes, and then you drag it over, and then you highlight the area, and then you hit Command V or the paste button um, for 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 everybody else. So that's their version of copy and paste. But how you forget something as big as this um, with a clerical error is beyond me. But hey, it happens. It happens. And what do we ha- what do we have to do, Wolf? At the end of the day, we must <laughs> report the news. We don't make the news. <laughs> We just simply report it. Oh, it sounds like you're quoting somebody I know, and you know. That's right. The the great American philosopher, Michael Tomlin. Yes, exactly <laughs> so. So what was the clerical error, my friend? The clerical error was 
after we spent, I think, about a segment on this yesterday, Wolf. Uh, obviously, that aged well. Yes. Um, <laughs> like bad cheese, man. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And not the blue kind. Not no, the blue kind that yes. goes in dressing or on wings. Um, this is more like the moldy, like, uh-oh, we're not supposed to be eating this because you will get sick cheese. This, yes, that's the uh, yeah. one. Uh, but Kenny Pickett, who was initially released as QB3 on the depth chart with Mason Rudolph being QB2, was then adjusted in after the press conference to show that Kenny Pickett will be QB2 and that Mason Rudolph will be QB3. And, of course, I will take all of my adjustments and everything else and the reaming that I got because I described about why the importance of Mason Rudolph. I will take those in my in my Twitter inbox, at Craig Wolfley uh, on Twitter. <laughs> Well played, well played. <laughs> but no, but no, it was uh, it was one of those moments where you look back, you're like, oh, okay, ah. Well, I was like, I only went off of what, what I did. Was going on, remember? Yeah, we were, and I was like, here's here's the justification that I could come up with. Okay, and so you know, this is this my mea culpa right now? Is that what I'm doing right now? Am I having? I don't even know what mea culpa means. <laughs> Okay. Well, yeah. You know what? That's right. Because that—that's a Ron phrase. Um. Sorry, I forgot. Okay. The other, the other Wolfly. Did you tell him I love you know? him? <laughs> I, I did, and I will today because we have our segment today. Oh, there you uh, go. So All I will right. make sure Beauty. that I tell him every Wednesday we have our we have our one hour segment. So, um. But but no, it, it, it I'm I'm not I'm not going to walk back on it. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to walk back. I was right in the moment. They made the error, so therefore it's on them. Um, I, 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 I recuse myself of any blame. (laughs) I went off the information given it was faulty information from a reliable source at that. It was a Steelers.com website. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's all we can do. We can hide behind that website, man. No doubt about it. Yes, absolutely. We're hiding behind that website. Now it does make more sense when you sit there and you say, okay, uh, it was a mistake. That's what it was. That's all. That's all you got to do. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Hey, my bad. That's yeah. all, That's it. That's it. I'm good. There you go. <laughs> all right, Max, take us to break and tell us what's coming up next, my friend. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, coming on the other side of the break after we pay some bills, we're going to discuss the Steelers' defensive depth chart. We got through the, the, the uh-oh and the, and the hiccup and the boo-boo uh, from the <laughs> offensive side. And we will now talk defensive depth chart, and hopefully that doesn't change uh, by tomorrow. Uh, This is more on in the locker room with Wolf and Starks and the Ninjas. And, of course, we 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 had the Sensei in today, so it was great to have Brian LaMartina in there or Sensei La. Um, But we will be back after this. You're listening to SNR and ESPN Radio. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.